What's up, everybody? Heat Ratio Live. I'm your host, Tony Jason Cotillo, joined by Mr. Dan Old School. I can't understand what the old school game, though. I'm not sure what the old school game. Hold that for a minute. Remember that for a second. But just so everybody knows, let, let, let's get the let's get the comments flowing tonight. We got a lot of stuff to talk about. Took last week off. Uh, it was just, you know, it's summertime. Had to, had to relax a little bit. A lot of things going on right now, exclusively on YouTube. If you're watching on YouTube, hit the subscription button. You want to get those subscribers up. We're up to 338. Uh, kind of, you know, up and down a little bit, trying to get that flow going. Football season starting. A lot of things to talk about. We'll talk about some Joel Embiid. All about some Jalen Hurts, NBA Big Three, and then specifically for Mr. Old School Dan Green, we're going to talk a little Guns and Roses at the end for our music segment. But Dan, where did the old school come from? Well, I'm I'm uh, despite my good looks and young appearance, I am the probably the oldest member of this uh, HRS crew, and I often reference the good old days, hence old school, especially on on hockey, you know, fighting and. Uh, I've referenced players, you know, like Gary Dornhofer. You know who he is, Tone? Uh, yes, I do. Okay. Or is Kinderchuk? Uh, no. Ross Lonsberry? No. Old school. See, I'm old school. <laughs> well, listen, just so everybody doesn't know, Mr. Dan Old School Green is the leader of the Flyer Noise podcast, uh, obviously powered by Heat Ratio Sports, who are doing a tremendous job. If you follow him on Twitter, uh, one of our most active people. Now, all of a sudden, he's making lo- He's like a, a logo superstar, Mr. Dan. I mean, we, we've created a monster here at Heat Ratio Sports when it comes to Dan Green, and he's loving every minute of it, ain't you? Yeah, it's uh, – <laughs> listen, technology can be intimidating, or you can embrace it and have fun with it. And I choose to have fun with it. I'm a teacher also. So I I like embracing technology. And Canva is a fun um, platform to do some cool artistic and graphic work. It really is. Canva is something that if you don't know about it, you need to know about it because it can help you out tremendously. And we're learning every single day. But let's get right into this because I was going to start this this show off this week because I prepare all week for the show. I was going to start off with Jalen Hurts because the whole thing came out about Jalen Hurts being a franchise quarterback. Is it too early? Is it not? I'm not I'm not saying that I want to copycat what other shows may be doing, but I want to talk about it because I've been so behind Jalen Hurts, number one, as the person, number two, as the quarterback going back to last year. But the breaking news drops the other day. The Shams bomb, not the Woj bomb, comes out with Joel Embiid getting locked up uh, with a supermax, Dan, a supermax, ton and tons of money for Mr. Joel Embiid. To be specific, okay, to be specific, the man got locked up right now for right, well, first we're going to talk money. We'll talk about these are some quotes from Doc Rivers. Uh, this is obviously a great day for the 76ers, but more importantly, it is an amazing statement from Joel that he's become one of the league's best and wants to continue to dominate right here in Philadelphia. His best is yet to come. I'm sure Ben Simmons loved every minute of that. And then Joel's definition of elite, a role model in our community. True MVP caliber superstar on the court. Since he was drafted in 2014, his rare blend of skills, charisma, and leadership has transformed this franchise. We couldn't be more grateful and excited to continue watching him in a Sixers uniform. Comes from the 76ers magic partner, Mr. Josh Harris. So, Dan, 
let's just talk to just specifically, okay? Because we already know we, we've had so many discussions about the Philadelphia 76ers. We have so many discussions about Joel Embiid. And this $196 commitment, essentially a six-year extension, uh, you know, I want to know from you that, in my opinion, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell that later, but in your opinion, how many prime years does Joel Embiid have left? And and how many years do you think the Sixers actually get value out of this deal? We know we're going to get it right now, obviously. But knowing the guy who's had multiple injuries, he's had surgeries in the past, right? We, we already know he wears down. He is a big man. How many prime years do you think this contract is actually a value for the Philadelphia 76ers? Well, first off, the number equates to 43 and a half million dollars a year that's what it breaks down to we're in the wrong business my friend uh just a bit i'll take it i'll take his decimal point (laughs) now um he's 27 years old listen it had to be done i understand why they did it he he he, listen he he's averaged i I read this today he averages 29.5 points per minute to play that's the best in the in nba history it's a double entendre though right it's great stat, right? He averages 29, but he's often injured, so it's minutes played. So technically it's not when he plays 35 minutes a game because he, he doesn't nearly average that much because he misses so much time. Um, I would love – this year at the beginning of the year, you know, he, he came in great shape. But he got so caught up in this trend in the NBA, which is like almost like watching European soccer where all they do is flop. And when you're seven foot two and you're flopping after every layup attempt, you're you know you're going to cause yourself harm, and that's why I think that's all I, I think he hurt his back, he hurt his knee, um, on a on a flop. The guy's like a redwood tree for hitting the ground every time he uh, plays his, his drama routine, so he has to curb that. And I, I you know it, I actually hope the league institutes a flop. And, rule for three-point shots for Leia. I, I can't stand that anymore. So if they clean that up in the league, maybe he won't hit the ground as much, if you know what I mean. Um, but, yeah, he is a – his wear and tear is a huge concern. He's – you know, if we can get him to 31, 32, I'd be thrilled. That's a, that's a good call, man, I because I, I agree. Um, I think we, we've talked about a window of opportunity for the 76ers team. We've continued to talk about it, right? How, how much they have. And we haven't even talked about the Ben Simmons effect, right? Whether he's going to be, well, he's not going to be here, but you know, who's going to be here instead of Ben Simmons, obviously. But the biggest thing is building around your superstar. You take your most important player, which is Joel Embiid, and you build around him. And, and you reference this, and I'm glad you referenced it because I did bring it up by Hembo from Get Up ESPN, that most points per 36 minutes all time. This is an absolutely insane list. And this just shows you how important Joel Embiid is to not only the 76ers, but to the NBA and how much of a superstar he is right now. Most points per 36 minutes all time. Guess who's on top? Joel Embiid at 29.3. And for those who are going to listen on podcasts who are not seeing this for the visual aspects of this live show, the next person on the list, Michael Jordan at 28.3. George Gervin, 28.1. Right, Kevin Durant, 26 and a half, Harden, 26.3, Steph Curry, 25.4, and LeBron James at 25.4. Dan, is that uh, is there a better list to top than that list right there? Well, that's exactly why I brought it up. It's it's a 
it's a double-edged sword, in my opinion. He's top of the list, but he doesn't really equate to those minutes truly. So, you know, I'd rather him drop to 27 and a half points a game and actually get 36 six minutes in per game. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, I, I agree. I agree. Al checking in. What's up, Al? Checking in on Twitch. Uh, our man Kyle checking in. He says, I'm okay with this contract. This is prime time for Philly. Need to complete the puzzle. Kyle, I could not, I could not agree more. He is the puzzle. Yes, he he and the and the issue now is and this is why I've been so adamant about the Sixers and their progress and unfortunately their their limitations when it comes to the playoffs because we have a window. It's a small window, man. It's a small window. We you know everything was lined up for us. There's listen, if we play to our abilities, we're in the finals, man. There's no reason to lose against the Hawks. The year before, no reason to lose. The year before that, no reason to lose, right? And that's the problem that I have. The problem I have is this team has been coming up too short, too much, and now it's time to change, Dan. Now, that that Atlanta series will live with me for quite a while because if they beat Atlanta, the what-if question just will always linger. Um, It will. this was our year. It was the roadmap was set for us, and it was it was it was this a disgrace actually. And I don't want to relive it right now because I'll just get apoplectic, and I don't want to do that right now. No, no. Listen, I, and, and there's no. You're right, and but you know what? There's there's not a need to, you know, permeate on this point. There's really not. I mean, Joel Embiid got paid. He deserved to get paid. He's the leader of the team, right? And, and here I'll tell you why. Here's the funny thing: Joel Embiid at forty three million. If I'm not mistaken, Chris Paul turned down 44 million. Right? D- Dennis Schroeder turned down 40 oh million. Talk about a mistake. What? Who his agent should be fired? Absolutely fired for walking away for that kind of money. Right? Um, so yeah. So listen, it is what it is. The, the missing piece, like 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 Kyle is talking about, is what happens to Ben Simmons. Right? We all know. And I don't want to get on a huge discussion about that. But one thing I will say is. I think, Dan, you, you're, you're going to agree where he's not going to be back. He cannot be back. He cannot come back. His reign here is done. Uh, I'm not sure where he's going to go. I do know it'll be a three or four team trade because of money and because of what's going to have to be maneuvered around. But he will not be in the city anymore, and he doesn't want to play in the city. And I don't need him here, to be honest with you. I really don't. I, I don't need somebody that's not all in. He's not an all in player. See, here's what I will say. Dan, tell me if you agree with this. I was thinking about this the other day. You know, everybody, I heard a couple of people say, ah, oh, you know what? You know, it's like nobody was mad at Terrell Owens and he was all about himself. Different kind of scenario. Terrell Owens, yes, was all about T.O., right? But the dude played on a broken friggin' leg in the Super Bowl. Okay, that just wasn't about money. That was because T.O. wanted to win. You're not going to see Ben Simmons do something. He doesn't have that kind of attitude, that kind of enthusiasm for the game. He just doesn't. He's all about Ben, and he's not going to go all in. He will never go all in, right? So I think that's why people you know, have to understand, especially from a national perspective, when they say, oh, you're running you're running uh, Ben Simmons out of town. And, and the last thing I will say, I heard somebody talking about, I don't even know who it was, was talking about we whoever – criticizes Ben Simmons doesn't know basketball. Okay. Well, I li- listen, listen, I, I don't, I don't know what basketball school you went to or, or who taught you how to play the game. 
Okay, but from what I see, okay, from being a basketball coach, from playing ball, from studying the game, no, man, that's not how you play. So I, I don't know, Dan, am I wrong here? No. Um, this is a league where you're a veteran at 25. You're coming in at 19. It's one and done in college, and you're in the NBA as a 19, 20-year-old kid. He's not a kid anymore. So I am so sick and tired that he has time to work on his game. B.S., all I wanted from him was a 6- to 12-foot stop-and-pop jump shot occasionally. I could care less about threes. The guy won't even take a baby jump shot. And it, and let's face it, he misses his uh, share of bunny layups as well. Yeah, he's got some special talent. There's no doubt about it. But to be called generational, you have to put the ball in the hoop consistently. You've got to put the team on your back. He should have been averaging 20 points a game this year you got to take that next progression. If you want to be part of the big three, if your big man constantly, not constantly, often is hurt, Tobias was hurt a little bit with a bad back. You've got to you got to take the team on your back. Now, he did that prior to the All-Star game because he was a fringe player to make the All-Star team. So then he decides, I'm going to play hard. And that goes to your point that I don't think he has that inner drive to be great. He's just coasting, and, and, it's, and it's working for him so far. Listen, I, I completely agree. We we see this a lot, okay? We see this a lot where young athletes are coddled their entire careers, right? And what happens is when they're coddled and they're allowed to permeate the, I'll, I'll say, the rules of the game, so to speak, they, they always think that they can do that, right? That, that they, they can always do that. And and Ben Simmons was never challenged. Ben Simmons was never told he needs to do something else. It was, you know what, he will get by. And not just that, he knew he would get by, right? He knew he would get by until this point. And now he doesn't know how to react. I, it, It's like all of a sudden, oh, my God, what's going on? I can't get by. What's what's going to happen now, right? And and that's that's what we're seeing right now. And that's what we see in those playoffs where he figured out he could not get by. And because he couldn't get by, he didn't know what to do. Jay checking in says, at this point, I think Ben Simmons is here until the trade deadline to build his stock again. I, I, I'll tell you what, Jay. And he says, he follows out says, it'll be ugly. No doubt. Here, here's what I will say about that. I think that's playing with fire. I do. Because he's just not going to play. Right? He's not going to play. Um, you know, his, his representation has already come out, alluded to that fact. You already found out that he's not happy with his representation, which means if they force him to play, he's just going to fire them. Right, this is who we're dealing with right now. So I think you're playing with fire. I think right now Daryl Morey's job is to do the best that he can do and get the best that he can do. Okay, and again, let me say this. Everybody has to realize that we may not get the haul that you think we deserve. Okay, but if we have a player on the team who is not producing, who is not there mentally, and who's not helping this team win, isn't it more important, Dan, to get somebody that actually will help this team win, even if it's a guy that you may not think is a superstar, right? It's not Damian Lillard. Okay, maybe it's CJ McCollum instead. All I'm saying is, it. all I know is we need somebody who's going to help us win, not cause a problem on the court. Now, you're right, and, and to Jay's point – where I get where he's going because the trade was supposed to happen 
at the draft. It didn't. Even let's go on the premise that he does stay professional and he does play his ass off until the trade deadline, which is not going to happen. But let's go on that premise. The general managers are smart. There's a regular season Ben and there's playoff Ben. So it really doesn't matter to me that he's going to build up his stock again because he, he's not the same player in the playoffs. So that's where that little point goes out the window. Uh, Jay, I get what you're saying, but that's where I disagree with you. Um, and yeah, uh, I don't know, you know, you, you've seen debates back and forth on social media about who has leverage, where the hell do we have any leverage? <laughs> so, so, so when you say get a, a respectable player that'll, that'll, that wants to be here and they'll contribute to the team. I think you're ultimately right. We're going to get, here's the old school coming out of me, Andrew Lang, Tim Perry, Jeff Hornacek. What, who do we, who do we get for those guys? Charles Barkley, man. Right. So you, I, I mean, and, and, and that's, I think there's a little different time because at least with Charles Barkley, Charles Barkley was a player. He was all in. Right. So at least at that point, even though he wanted out, right, he was still playing at, 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 a, at a top level. But I'm okay? saying and you're right. But considering he was at a top level, look at that horrible return we got for him. So imagine yeah. the return you're getting for a guy that's not playing at a top level. That, that's my ultimate. I mean, it's, it's, it's a 30 year old analogy, so maybe it doesn't relate. No. But I don't know what you can get back unless you said the machinations of a three, four team trade, maybe. You, you get someone's disgruntled player and it all works out. But um, I, I think it was it Andre brought up a point about um, Jimmy Butler made Ben uncomfortable. That's a huge point um, that should have motivated and pushed, pushed them. It worked, it, you know, it, it, it worked the opposite. And then Jimmy couldn't wait to lead this team. So, you know, oh, listen, if Jimmy's here, we don't lose. Simple no, as that. No. Right? I mean, simple as that. I, and real fast before we, I'm sure you want to go another topic. A lot of the, a lot of the people are blaming Joel's fourth quarters and, you know, yada, yada, yada. He wouldn't have been exhausted if he was the only guy that was the go-to person on a team. Tobias looked scared in the, at the end of the games. Ben obviously took four shots total in like three or four fourth quarters. Um, he was exhausted. He needs help. And that that's why his numbers dwindled in the fourth quarter. I couldn't disagree more. I mean, I couldn't agree more, honestly. Uh, yeah, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It, it, it's it, it's a great point. Uh, it, it's a great point. Al says, whatever Ben is going, where, wherever Ben is going to come back and be it, will be because he's not getting traded Al, he's getting traded okay it's, it's I, right I, I i like honestly he's getting traded and uh, you cannot bring a cancer back to this team okay and obviously obviously it was cancerous right we we, we see that now and you listen you don't think it's a cancerous situation what's going on right now Right with, with with him being completely segmented from the team, he's segregated right now. He's segregated from the entire team. He's not talking to anybody. He doesn't care, right? So guess what? I don't care now. I don't get out. I I, I don't I, I don't want to hear the words generational talents anymore. I don't want to hear superstars. I don't want to hear nothing. Listen, you know what Ben wants to do? 
Ben wants to go be a, a, a B ball player. Okay, not an A ball player, a B ball player for the Golden State Warriors under an MVP, under a shot master, and get all the accolades for being the guy who facilitates to both of these guys in Clay and Steph. So then the spotlight's off of him. He's not in a big media network. He's not in a big town that worries about what they do. Then he can go buy his high profile cars. He can go to Wimbledon. He can do whatever he wants. Listen, told everybody this is who Ben was. If you did not realize this is who Ben was, then the problem is you got hoodwinked, man. You didn't. You bought in. You bought into a fraud. You bought into a fraud. It's simple as that. I didn't like Ben in the beginning, and I don't like Ben now. And I don't. I, I don't. I don't care what anybody says. You can argue with me until I'm blue in the face. But like you said, Dan, five years. Five years. All of a sudden, it's going to change. All of a sudden. It's going to change. We don't have time to watch Instagram videos. We don't have time to hear coach speak. Okay. And honestly, all the stuff that you heard after the game from Joel Embiid, from Doc Rivers, who everybody's killing him for about, about saying, you know, they should never say that about Ben. That's the problem. You know, Ben got a complex because, you know, Doc said, I don't know if I can win with him as a point guard. Okay. Well, guess what? Tough love, bro. Okay, guess what? This is what they feel. These are your teammates. Just like you said, Dan, these are the guys that were killing themselves all game long where you couldn't manage more than four shots in that game when we needed you. Says enough. That's all we need to see because we've seen this over and over again, and I'm tired of seeing it. So guess what? I'm moving on. Don't care. Ben, see it. Let's talk about a guy who is a leader, okay? Let's talk about a guy who is a leader. Mike, what's up, Mike? Bring it a fire. Absolutely, Mike. Mike presses me today. Mike was like, yo, when you guys go live, man, I got some questions. So let's bring him, Mike. Bring him, Mike. Let's hear him. But let's talk about a guy who's a leader, okay? And we're going to get back to the NBA because it's all big threes. But I, I got to get off the subject because it's making me really pissed off. So let's talk about the Philadelphia Eagles because this is Eagle season, okay? And this is football time. And I don't care if it's Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, Bryce Harper, you know, Carter Hart and the Philadelphia Flyers, doesn't matter. The sick, the, the uh, Philadelphia Eagles rule when it comes to sports in Philadelphia. So uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about, because we we didn't really touch on the first preseason game, and I, I don't want to get into preseason because uh, I, I think it's way over the top. Because what I do with preseason games, I kind of just I look at little tidbits here and there. Certain players look at their hand movements, look at what they do, kind of motor they have, and things of that nature. But one thing I think, Dan, that, that you'll probably agree with, uh, you know, not not talking about talent, just talking about mentality. But Jalen Hurts, uh, you know, we've said this before. I don't want to repeat it about all the adversity that he's dealt with throughout his entire career. But right now, it's still to this day not technically named the number one quarterback, which I think is a travesty. I do. I think it's a slap in the face. And I think if, you know, if it were me right there, I'd be saying something, but that's just not who he is. But the stories that you hear about Jalen Hurts in the clubhouse, okay, at Novacare, walking down the hall, stopping Jalen Rager, asking him, hey, what do we do on third and five? Stop at Devontae Smith, say, yo, you get that playbook memorized? Like, that is a leader. This is a kid who, you know, who is true in and out. And I want to read you something because I want to get the, the, the ideas going. And I want everybody to get their opinions ready because this came out today. And um, this is from our good friends at Edge of Philly Sports. Uh, my man Tom Kelly does a fantastic job over there. Uh, they, they posted this on their site right here. 
Okay, this is from Jordan Schultz. Says there is a fast growing sentiment among Eagles players that Jalen Hurts is undoubtedly, he said, undoubtedly the franchise quarterback. His work ethic, intangibles, and overall skill level have captured the entire locker room. Players I've spoken with are consistently blown away by Hurts on and off the field. So, what I want to say, Dan, is I think the last part of that is the most important part when it says on and off the field. We're dealing with situations in the NFL, <clears throat> speaking of guys like Deshaun Watson, okay, guys like Joe Mixon, in the past, guys like Ray Rice, okay? We've dealt with these issues every single year. You have a guy who is his culture and his mindset are A+. Plus. Okay, and that's number one. That's what you want in a leader. And he's showing you that. So all that talk about Deshaun Watson, all, I mean, now the FBI are getting probed. They're like, that situation is a complete mess. Why? And I don't even want to hear his name anymore associated with the Philadelphia Eagles. You have a kid right here, a young kid, Dan, who is ready to lead, who is a leader, who, who's not being probed by the FBI, who's not beating a woman in the face, okay, in, in the coffee mart, okay? He's not coming out and, you know, talking nonsense, okay? This is a true leader, a leader of men. And I don't know, honestly, if he's a franchise quarterback, but what I will say, Dan, is I think he's a franchise leader. No, I I can't argue with anything you said. Um, I don't know if he's a franchise quarterback is the question of the day. I'm going to equate Jalen Hurts to a – now bear with me on this – a Donovan McDab type from this perspective. He's got unbelievable intangibles for leadership, which you just – address wonderfully but he's got he's going to be a playmaking quarterback he's not going to be a pure passing quarterback donovan McNabb was a playmaking quarterback we, we, you know he, he he had awful touch moments um he doesn't have the pedigree that donovan had but he's got more elite leadership than donovan had he um you know donovan never would take a bullet he would have never he would never look himself in a mirror and um take blame this kid will. I I see him struggling with his accuracy, um, but I see him being a playmaker, almost like the basketball analogy where you're not a pure shooter, but you're a scorer. So I think he's going to make plays, but he's going to have those moments where like, oh, my God, how did he miss that throw? But <laughs> then he's going to do some electrifying things. Hopefully it'll balance out. I completely agree. I think it's a great observation, honestly. Um, Adam, what's up, Adam? As always, checking in. Uh, Adam says, I think Jalen will ball out this year. I like it. Uh, Jay says, I agree. Jalen Hurts is acting like a starting quarterback. Use the number ones in next year's draft to get some more talent. I, Jay, I, I completely agree. Uh, Jay, checking in. Sports Skillet Radio. As always, check out Sports Skillet every Sunday right here. Heat Rage Sports, 11 a.m. Guys do a fantastic job, as always. And what I will say about Jalen Hurts is you hit the nail on the head, Dan, because I, I, I've been saying this all offseason, that the Eagles are going to be very fun to watch at times, but they're going to lose some games, right? They're not going to win a ton of games. I still think I still think they may win nine or ten games. I'm going to be honest. I do, only because of the division that they play in. I still think they win nine to ten games, but my thing is they're going to they're going to make some mistakes, man. They're a young team. Right, Jalen Hurts, a young quarterback. We've already seen it in training camp. He doesn't make every throw, 
right? He doesn't throw worm burners like McNabb, right? But McNabb did do that, right? McNabb did do that. But I think, Dan, I think you remember, just like I do, one of the biggest, one of the most fondest memories I have is when he came in for his first game against the Redskins, right? And I think he juke was it Daryl Green? They juked out. I, 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 I think it was towards the end of Daryl Green's career, maybe when he juked them out. I, forget, I, I, I may be wrong, but you know that that's the vision I have at Donovan. Donovan was able to do that kind of magic with his feet, but Donovan had one hell of an arm. Yeah, right. He one hell of an arm. He could throw the hell out of a football. wasn't always accurate, but he could throw the hell out of a football. So, and I think that we've seen plays. The, the, the play in Green Bay we've seen from Jalen Hurts. We've seen that nice touch throw to, to, to Goddard in, in the preseason game. We've seen the throw to Miles Sanders. What, the throw to Miles Sanders, right? We, we've seen a couple different plays from Jalen Hurts to say, you know what? Okay, if he can put it all together. And, and again, the biggest thing, let's go back to the mentality thing. The reason why mentality is so important because if he throws a couple bad throws, right? If he has a couple bad games, this kid is so strong mentally that he will not lose focus and he's going to keep trying and trying and trying. One thing you're never going to question is a kid's effort. That's uh, all right. And I've coached kids like this. Dan, you've coached kids like this. And they're the best kind of kids to coach, you know, because you, you, you fight for them and you rally behind them. And when they win, you win. When they lose, you lose, and I think Jalen Hurts is that kind of guy. Now, you stole my thunder. I mean, I, I use the term would go through fire, would run through a wall. That's what his teammates will do for him. They're going to know. Listen, they're not they're not dumb. They're they're going to see the mistakes. He's probably going to give it. He's going to say my bad in the huddle, and the guys the guys are probably going to say we got you, we got you. They're going to go through go through fire and go, run through walls for this kid, and. That's why I, I was hoping and dismissing the whole Deshaun Watson talk because I'm like you. I like character. And it, let's see what this kid's got. Let him grow a little bit, you know, before you, before you um, jump ship. And, and maybe, you know, you'll, Smith and Watkins, all these guys will they'll grow together and develop chemistry and, Again, the leadership will make the players run through a wall for him. Um, take the extra step in traffic for a ball, whereas maybe they wouldn't have done that for Carson, right? So, right. you know, you run through a wall for a teammate that you love. I like that. It's so true. I mean, maybe maybe that that seam across the middle isn't always there. Maybe, you know, Zach Ertz. Well, I shouldn't say Zach Ertz because that was Carson's boy. But maybe Dallas Goddard doesn't go across the middle and take that hit, you know, up against that big linebacker like a, a Khalil Mack going across the middle, right? We we you don't know, but but maybe these guys do do that for Jalen Hurts, right? So that is the difference. Now Adam says, does nine and ten wins win the division? Absolutely. I think ten wins wins this division. Maybe eleven because of the extra game, but I still think ten wins wins the division. I do. And I, I still think the Eagles have a, a, as good a shot as anybody. I, I really like Washington. Been on record talking about them only because I still believe the game is won between the trenches, and they have the best defense in the in the National League or in the National League in the NFC East. Uh, but I, I listen, their defense 
Chase Young, are you kidding me? I mean, under Jack Del Rio is is something of beauty to watch. It really is. And I, I obviously the Eagles can't compete with that, but it's all going to depend for Washington on their quarterback play. Is Fitzmagic going to be able to hold up? Because that's all they missed last year was a quarterback, right? I mean, so, uh, so yes, I think 10 wins, wins the division easily. And I, I think the Eagles can be in that mix, you know, it, because this division is going to be so up and down. It really is. But one guy, Dan, that's really, really impressed me. Uh, and again, he's not a rookie. It is Javon Hargrave. Now, I, again, when we, when we signed him out of Pittsburgh, a lot of people thought, why do we sign another defensive tackle, right? We, 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 a lot of people thought about that, and, and I did too. I was one of them. And obviously, I guess, you know, in Howie's infinite wisdom, and I'm not a Howie guy here. I'm not going to bury Howie at all, but he was looking at, the age of upfront and saying, okay, we have a guy in in Fletcher Cox, obviously, and then we have Jackson, who we don't know if he's going to perform, right? And it looked like he was expendable. And now Javon Hargrave, remember, he did get hurt last year, so he came back. He he wasn't full out, but he's showing that explosiveness that he had in Pittsburgh. And one thing about Pittsburgh defensive tackles, we watched Casey Hampton for years out there do the same kind of thing. Man, can they get to the quarterback, man? They are quick. They have those quick arm spin moves, and they go in that they, they, they go in that stance. They get up and they get it the best with anybody. So uh, I really like Hargrave. I really like what I've seen uh, in the preseason. I know it's only the preseason, but then seeing what this guy didn't do last year and seeing what he's done so far, just his movement, I think we we, we, we have something to look forward to this year. No, I, he's a very good player. Um, my brother-in-law is a diehard Steelers fan, and I'm sure you've talked with, with our man John, and he wasn't overly optimistic about the signing. He said the Steelers are a 3-4 team. The Eagles are a 4-3 team. And that makes a big difference. So part of his growth with the Eagles outside of getting healthy again is getting used to the 4-3 scheme. Because you're asked to do different things. Like you just said, in a 3-4, you got to get to the quarterback. In a 4-3, you're more reliant on your ends to get to the quarterback. So there, there's some adjustments in the scheme but when he's healthy, which I, and he looks to be healthy, he, he's an impressive D tackle. He is. He really is. And 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 that's exactly what they need. They need the win up front, right? They need to win up front. Now Jay checking in says, "Can you imagine Quez Watkins? I like this question. Can you imagine Quez Watkins, Devontae Smith, and another number one if Rigger doesn't improve? Really cool. Oh, how about that six seven tight end Tyree Jackson? Listen." Jay, Jay brings up a great point, you know, the, the, and, and a point that I was talking about earlier where this is a young and exciting team. Now, I, listen, a jury's going to be out on Jalen Rager all year. And, and, and you know what, Jalen? Listen, prayers up to whoever you lost. I get it, right? I understand, you know, the me mentality and mindset, uh, and me mental stability and mindset are a huge thing in this world, especially today. I, I, I get it. Uh, but... Don't be popping off on social media when people start coming at you because you're not performing like that number one pick. I'm just saying, you need to be careful. You know, you threw yourself out there pretty much last year when people were calling you out. You kept throwing it out there, so you better be ready to take it. So I want to see improvement. I do, but but Jay's right. Listen, the, the best, even though Joe Flacco threw the ball, the best play tonight obviously was the 80-yard touchdown by Quest Watkins, right? But that showed. The explosiveness. And again, what that showed, Dan, 
is I, I don't, I still, we don't know what we're going to get with Sirianni. But when we watched the Indianapolis Colts last year, no matter who was up at quarterback, they made plays like that a lot. They love throwing at their tight end. They love running the ball, and they love those little bubble screens. They really did. So I, this this could be something that really takes us to that next level. Uh, this year, no. But to build with this kind of talent and this nucleus, I mean, we're looking at Cincinnati right now, and I, I don't know what Joe Barrow is going to be after, after that horrific injury. I think it's going to be at least a half a year before he gets his mentality back. But you look at what they've done where you know with their receiving core out there. Right, when you got Jamar Chase now, right? You got Tyler Boyd, you got T. Higgins. I mean, listen, that's exactly what the Eagles are trying to build. So, Jay, I think you're right, man. I I think this is the kind of excitement. Um, I think we could be Dan Devontae Smith, real fast. Does the size bother you at all? If if it came down to Chase or Smith, I I would have gone Chase because of the size. But once Chase is off the board, the kid learn how to play with the size and you know let's not forget Deshaun Jackson was a tiny receiver and he only he only was missing games at the at the later stages of his career with hamstring type issues he never like I mean he took that vicious hit against Atlanta in his uh, early part of his career with the uh, Eagles but any receiver was going to get you know uh creamed and not miss, miss a few games over a hit like that but to real fast to Jay's point my, my biggest prayer is that the Eagles go with performance over pedigree. And that's, you know, because in, in, in theory, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside has no business being on this team anymore. Um, you, can't, you can't put a Tyree Jackson he, on the practice squad because he won't stay on it. Um, you've got to, you know, if, if it's between him and Richard Rodgers, buy Richard Rodgers. This kid is a stud. You know, a, a few years ago, you know, the Vikings had – Treadwell, an undrafted Thielen, and a fifth-round draft pick, Diggs. Diggs and Thielen played a lot, and Treadwell did not because he didn't earn it. If you if it was a, if, if those players were on the Eagles, Treadwell gets forced down your throat, and one of those two guys I mentioned gets cut because the yeah, Eagles are a pedigree point. a pedigree team. That's a great point. Where's Treadwell at right now? <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. And that's the point, exactly. And that's the point. It's a great point. Right, let's not mess around with this. That that kid looks like an absolute stud. Yeah, and I, I know he's raw. I get it. Right, but but we're not winning this year. Not winning the Super Bowl this year. We our our job is to develop young talent. You know, to stockpile for next year and to build this thing. Right, that's what it's all about. And Al keeps saying, I keep telling you guys, Rager can play. Listen, Al, I'm not saying the kid can't play. What I'm saying is, number one, there's more to the wide receiver position than speed. And the kid to me doesn't look like he can run a route and catch. I know he made that great catch, and everybody's going to talk about that great catch in practice. Okay, in practice, right? But again, when you when you come into camp without the right mindset, and, and again, I, I understand things happen and things were going on, but you come in out of shape, right? You you, you come in again not. And, and and here's the other report that people aren't talking about, where he still doesn't know the playbook. Okay, that's a problem to me. Right, that's a problem to me. That I, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. So it, it, all eyes are going to be on Jalen Rager this year. No, no matter what, that's what they're going to be. Uh, they just are. The thing that does scare me, though, and I think I, I, I maybe people sound making too much out of this, Dan, 
But the one thing that I hated to see in that preseason game was that perfect ball drop by Zach Ertz. Say what you want. And the reason why is, again, here's a guy who doesn't want to be here. Here's a guy who wanted to be out of here. And right now, I'm questioning his mindset. And that has to be the guy that's going to help your young quarterback. He's got to be the guy to help him. And he's already dropping balls. I I, I didn't like that look, Dan. No, I, I, I agree. But I, I do think they're actively looking to move him. And if, and if they just cannot find a partner, you know, all right, great. We have Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard, and hopefully they can develop this Jackson kid. But I, I do believe they're trying to move him. And when he and like you said, he wants to be moved. And football's the one sport of all the sports where if you don't have your head in the game, you're an injury waiting to happen. So he has to get his head in the game or he's going to get hurt. Nah, it's, it's, it, 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 that that's another good reason. I mean, we don't. We obviously, I don't want to see the guy get hurt. No. Right? I just, I, I want guys and players on this field that are going to help, not hurt this team. And I, that just, to me, it just wasn't a good look. It just wasn't. Biggest thing I want to see is let's get through this preseason healthy. No more injuries. Let's get Devontae Smith back. Let, let's get him out on the field. Let's see what this offense is going to be. And and I I do hope that. You know, because we don't know what Sirianni is. And one of the biggest problems I have with Cincinnati, who we alluded to earlier, is I think their quarterback, I mean, their head coach is a big-time stiff. I'm not a, I'm not a Zach Taylor guy at all. I'm just not. I, I, I don't think he doesn't do it for me, man. And and that's my thing with Sirianni. Let's put our – I hate to say this because it sounds cliche, but let's put our, our players in a position to make plays, right? Let's put them in a position to make them successful. Know your quarterback's limitations. If your quarterback needs to roll out like Kyler Murray to make plays, let him roll out. Don't make him a pocket passer, right? I understand that everybody wants to do that, but you have to play the strengths of who your guy is. Look what Bill Belichick did in New England. I think it was ingenious with what he's doing with Cam Newton. He knows Cam can't throw the ball down the field anymore. Nope. So he goes out and gets two big tight ends. And he says, you know what? I still threw to Greg Olson for years in Carolina. He loves throwing to the tight end. I'm going to get him too. I'm going to get him too. So now I don't have to throw the ball 40 yards downfield. I throw a 10 yard out and let the guys do the rest. So that's what I want to see Sirianni do. Know your players, know their limitations, and bank on what their skills are. And let's not expose what they can't do. Now, did you see that feature that was on? I, I always want to say Comcast, but it's CSN Philly now, where they they showed all the coaches. They were mic'd up, and it, it was very impressive. They they seem to be a really talented young coaching staff with a, a lot of enthusiasm. They seem to have the players engaged. The players, I mean, the defensive back coach was um, staying after with Darius Slay, who was willing to stay after, and they were working in the back of the end zone one on one. I mean, I, that's stuff I like to see. So that that little um montage with the with the coaches mic'd up uh impressed me and so you know that's that's the number one thing like you just referenced cincinnati you could have all the talent in the world but if you could just sense when a franchise is never detroit they're never going <laughs> to take that next step they're just detroit they're just cincinnati we're the eagles we go through stages of highs lows back up to highs again it, 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 it it's all predicated on the coaching staff no, I I completely agree. I do. Um, Jay second in. Hurt either, you know. What's that? A little talent doesn't hurt either, but you know. Well, obviously, talent coach at the, the end. Up. Coach the guys up. 
talent's always going to rule out, right? Uh, Jay says, totally, totally agree. Compete for it. If not, win a division, get young players, playoff experience. I agree. Uh, Al says, I agree, Tony, to coach and adjust to the team. Exactly. Adjust to the team, right? Uh, don't let the players adjust to you. Adjust to the team. Take their talents out and figure out what they do best and work around that. Adam says, I saw the Eagles are plus 4,000 to win the Super Bowl, if you bet. Plus that, I'll tell you what, man, maybe, you know, if you got a nice bankroll, okay, like, you know, I, I know people be hitting a lot lately. They got a nice bankroll. You throw 20 bucks on that, man. I'll take that plus 4,000, right? And, Tone, to, to Al's point, look at look at Andy Reid. He went from an underachieving, you know, he was a great coach here, obviously, the, the, you know, the best we've had is for, for, for longevity and whatnot, but he couldn't get over the hump. And a lot of it was, did he really – play to the player's strength when he coached here. Look what he's done with Mahomes. He completely plays to the quarterback's strength. So he made the adjustment as a coach so that you have to, you have to utilize your player's strengths. I completely agree. Al says Doug never did that. No. <laughs> we know that. Doug never, never did that. And last thing, I'll, before we move on to our final segment, um, we'll do the big three next week uh, because I want to keep the show flowing. But uh, our man E-Rock, who checked in, who will be back on, E-Rock's going to be a maybe like a monthly guest coming on in Heat Ratio. I love that dude. Uh, very, very passionate when talking about the Eagles. He mentioned about Jonathan Gannon, about how energetic this kid is, right, and, and from a defensive coordinator level. And people buy into that, right? Players buy into that. It, it, you know, if you – number one, when you come in as a young guy – you have to earn the respect right away. You're not going to earn the respect by just being one of the boys. You got to do more to be one of the boys. You got to show that you're invested. You got to show that you're willing to work. You got to show that you have experience. You got to show that you've studied these guys and you already know what their tendencies are and what and what you're willing to help them do in order to accomplish their individual goals. So I think that's one of the things that we we're seeing with this coach staff, youngest coach staff in the NFL, Dan, youngest coach staff in the NFL. So uh, they they they're going to learn on the fly so to speak, but that's not always a bad thing. If they didn't have the O-line coach, they'd be the youngest coaching staff in Southampton. <laughs> My man, Stoutland. Yeah. He's old. You know, any, wherever you're from. I mean, that's how that's how young this coaching staff is. No, you're right. You're right. And let, let's listen. Let's hope they learn, which they obviously I know that they will. But again, I, I think they're going to be an exciting team. They're just, you know, they're going to be frustrating, but you're going to have to take the lumps. But they're not going to listen. This isn't a three win team. We have to remember that this isn't we're not going to be the Detroit Tigers. We're going to be better than that. Right. We, we, we have some veteran leadership on this team. You mentioned uh, Darius Slight earlier. I really like uh, I really like the way that their secondary is playing up. I, I, I love the Eric Wilson signing. I love the Eric Wilson signing. Uh, I know it's only a one-year deal, but obviously a really nice guy to have as a linebacker court. So uh, it's going to be very, very interesting moving forward. But let's get to the music segment. Uh, we talk about always adding some music into the show. And I know everybody all, you know, everybody says, oh, Tony's the DJ guy, the hip-hop guy. I, I, I gave everybody a little curveball tonight because we're not going to talk hip-hop tonight. Okay? We're going to talk about one of the most famous and exciting rock bands of all time a special place in my heart and the reason why we're going to talk about this this group tonight is because this year alone they hit a tremendous 
milestone. Now, we all know social media runs predominant when, when it comes to our everyday lives, right? Especially when it comes to music, right? Not just sports, but especially when it comes to music. But this is going to blow people away because it blew me away. Okay, and I, and I have to read it because of this. But November Rain came out in 1992. Uh, unbelievable song. We, obviously, we're talking about Guns N' Roses. Okay, November Rain, that piano, right in the beginning, I mean, there's just nothing not, nothing else does it for me like that. Okay, that, that's like an Alicia Keys moment. That's like when, when you can play the piano like that, Axl Rose was unbelievable when it came to November Rain. The reason why I bring this up, that is the oldest song ever to be streamed over one billion times on YouTube. The oldest song ever to be streamed one. That just shows you how relevant Guns N' Roses still are today. Now, the reason why I bring it up, Guns N' Roses to me is one of those groups that everybody can tell you at least one song. Everybody. I don't care who you are. Somebody knows who Axl Rose and Slash are, right? Somebody knows who that are. Now, they broke in in the late 80s. Now, now here's the interesting point. Before I bring these things up, I always research certain things. I want to I want to give you guys some really good statistics about what about the group, what, what, about the numbers, the money they made. But I would have thought then, I, and I was completely wrong, but I would have thought Sweet Child of Mine was the first song released from Guns N' Roses, and it wasn't. It was actually Welcome, Welcome to, the, to jungle. the Jungle. There you go, right? So I, Appetite I, for Destruction. Yeah, exactly. The first album, Appetite for Destruction, right? I, again, unbelievable album. Uh, I, I remember it like it was yesterday. Uh, the Knocking on Heaven's Door song was unbelievable. Just I, I, everything about, but but again, the big three, obviously, when you talk about Welcome to the Jungle, Sweet Child of Mine, and Paradise City. And I still remember, and damn, we'll get your moments in a minute. I still remember that when I was a youngster. Now, that, that came out, Appetite for Destruction, July 21st, 1987. To this day, over 30 million copies sold. When that came out, that was honestly, that was the first time I got cable in my house was that summer. So I remember throwing, it, throwing MTV on, watching MTV News with my man Kurt Loader. Everybody remembers my man Kurt. Okay, and and going to Welcome to the Jungle and see Axl Rose come off the bus, right at the bus stop, coming off the bus. Well, well, you know where you are. You in the jungle, but so I, I again, they're the moments that I remember, and I remember watching it. it. Was the old the old school Comcast wood grain cable box that I had? It was like huge. Now it would be a dinosaur. Uh, but Guns N' Roses, Dan, not just you know whether it be moments whether it be songs that you remember or anything from the album or the group that, that you want to bring up? Yeah, well, first of all, getting back to the old school part of my <laughs> moniker here, in 1987, I was a senior in high school. So, you know, so that was the time in my early years of high school, you had Rat, you had Scorpion, um, Bon Jovi, um, Runaway, 84, I believe that album came out. So, and then you started getting the, you were, you proliferation of White Snake, Great White, crappy bands like that. Um, I'm not a huge Poison or Motley Crue group compared to, the, compared to Guns N' Roses, but it was, it was like too much, it was almost too much 
big hair. They weren't Led Zeppelin, in my opinion. You know what I'm saying? So at first, you know, I was a yes, Asia, um, super tramp, moody blues, U2 kind of guy. So I wasn't jumping on board with them right away. But in my older years, as I, you know, college, young, young, young parent, you know, getting back to like what jumps out at me, um, Welcome to the Jungle is right up there with Living on a Prayer when it comes mm. to stadium theme songs. Like Flyers are on the ice to Welcome to the Jungle. When you go to the Flyers games back in the day, they were skating warm-ups to that song. Live, you know, you, you you know how the stadium looks crazy when Bon Jovi's "Living on a Prayer" and "Welcome to the Jungle" come comes on. So that that jumps out at me. And of course, the, the the this band was famous for their drug use, unfortunately, and alcoholism. And they had some crazy um, stories. I I, they're, they're, I remember the Slash story, and you can help me if I'm wrong. He was he was so wasted, like he was like doing a heroin phase where he thought he was being chased by like a lizard and a snake man. And he was buck naked. He crashed through a glass window in, Ar in, a, in Arizona. I think they were in, in touring in Arizona. He like was standing behind like a, um, a, a maid of the hotel hiding behind her. Then he ran full speed through the golf course and he went into the, um, to the, um, the maintenance shed and was hiding behind a lawnmower. So he was found buck naked. And, and when he was interviewed by the police, he was still wasted. He actually recanted the whole story how he was being chased by lizard men and snakes. It, it, that, that's a moment I remember on the news, hearing about, um, I, I guess it was late 80s, um, slash, uh, you know, a little out of it. Just a little bit. But the, man, the man's a top 50 guitar player of all time. The man can play guitar. And he could probably he could probably play the guitar all all saw stuff, but then I could play sober. So right, okay. but you bring up an interesting point because number one, I will say that Welcome to the Jungle. The biggest thing I remember with Welcome to the Jungle is well, I can say with 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 the group themselves, they have some of the most prolific intros ever. Right. Yeah. So Welcome to the Jungle to me is the biggest thing I remember. Welcome to the Jungle is it being in the soundtrack from Lean on Me. Okay, with Morgan Freeman, because right in the beginning of East Side High, as a, right, it's Welcome to the Jungle, right? So I, was, I love that movie, one of my favorite movies of all time. But if you talk about prolific intros, Patience, where you have where, where you have Axel just humming and whistling right in the beginning, Sweet Child of Mine, the guitar play yeah. by, by Slash, November Rain, the, the, the piano play. I, they have some of the most prolific intros ever. And... You mentioned Dan. There was a lot of groups back then, man. I, me, I was a Poison guy. I was a Motley Crew guy. I was, I was into all that. Like, I, I, I went full circle when it comes to, when it comes to music. I liked so many different genres. It's not even funny, but you know, I remember back then. You, you did say White Snake, who I, I think they were kind of fraudulent, but you know, you brought up Bon Jovi, which is a, a, a great. A comparison because right, and I know they're a little different. Bon Jovi wasn't as extreme, right? Uh, who who was um Richie Sambora? So uh, Richie Sambora versus Slash is a little different, right? Uh, but I think just knowing that at that time it was flooded with that kind of music, but GNR just stood out. Uh, on another level, and, and and when you went the appetite to destruction, then you had GNR lives, 
And then you had User Illusion 1 and 2. Came out which, simultaneously, right? Exactly, which, which, which is a great point because nobody ever did that. Yeah. Right? No, Live and Let Die. I mean, there was so, – listen, we could go on and on and on. And, and again, they had their issues. Obviously, late in their career, they split up. And, you know, they were inducted into the Hall of Fame and Axel didn't show up. But the thing is, right now, they're still touring. In 2021, they're still touring, right? So that is amazing to me. I mean, listen, we all know the Rolling Stones are still touring. I get it. They're probably twice the GNR's age. But still, just to know that they're still touring, I think, is is, is pretty infamous. Now, we, we talked about YouTube views. One more one number I want to hit you with before we get out of here is Sweet Child of Mine. Most viewed video of the 80s on YouTube, 700 million times. So, I, you know, I, I think people have to understand the reason why those numbers are so historic is because that means 700 million times somebody typed in Guns N' Roses, Sweet Child of Mine, and listened to that song. That's huge. You have to remember we live in a digital society now. We're not taking and blowing the dust off the record and throwing it on the vinyl. We're not We're not putting the CD in. We're not putting the tape right. in the high-speed dump. This is what people do. And to know that they did that, Sweet Child of Mine, that's pretty impressive, man, because that, that song, that still hits today, Dan. It really does. Now, what, like, I was trying to when – when you told me this topic, I was trying to think, you can't say anything is an underrated song, but if there's an underrated song that you would put ahead of a highly thought of song, I would go, I mean, you mentioned November rain. That's one of their top three songs of all time, but I would put don't cry over November rain. Oh, I love don't cry. And that, you know, that's, you know, it's not as heralded as November rain. You're right. You're, you're right. It's not. And it may be because, of the extended version of the song it may be because of the piano play but don't don't cry is, is a fantastic song i honestly think one of their greatest songs ever is patience yeah and, and and again that's not even talked about it's not because it's not one of those big three it's not one of those top the brownstone they have a lot they, listen mr brownstone paradise mm-hmm. city welcome to the jungle um rocket queen the uh, sweet child of mine. These were all on their first album. I mean, what you know? You hear usually when you usually you buy an album for one or two songs, right? Back in the day, before you, nope. you know, it's like I remember. Everyone remembers the first album they ever bought with their own money. Mine was pieces of pieces of eight by Sticks in the late seventies. Wow. I loved every song on that album, but then you, then there's some song albums you bought later where they're eh, to, to Kansas, only two songs I really liked on the uh, on the album. The, a- Appetite for Destruction had hit after hit after hit. You just can't go wrong with that album. No, and it's funny because it's just like I just mentioned Patience. Name another song off of GNR Lives. I don't know. I just knew I liked Patience. Yeah, like, that wasn't that wasn't quite as prolific as the other one. Right, and you mentioned first. I mean, the first album, well, it was a tape that I ever bought was Bobby <laughs> Brown. Don't be cruel. That was my first. Album I ever bought, loved loved that. I, I still listen. I can listen to that that man. I can listen to that album front to back, right now. I love it. Absolutely love it. Uh, but to your point, man. Normally back then, I mean, that's why they had you go to Tower Records. You buy the singles because sometimes the singles were better than the album. You could just buy the single, but like I don't need the album. I'll just take the single because that's the only thing I want to listen to. Right? Uh, Jay checking in says Mick Jagger seventy eight. Mick Jagger, my God. 
Him and Steven Tyler, boy. Still still trying to still trying oh, to get it done. Mick Jagger just triggered David Bowie because you remember they had a thing going on those two. But anyway, David Bowie got his he got punched out by Axel Rhodes. He he really? showed up, yeah. He showed up on on you know while they were you know working on an album. I guess he was like a guest, he popped in and he was like hitting on Axel Rhodes' girlfriend. And in the history of, of music, there's nobody that had worse temper than Axl Rhodes. He, he just walked up to him and knocked him out. And then David Bowie got himself together, actually apologized, and they went out drinking together. All was forgiven. They, they were friendly. But that, that's another classic Guns N' Roses story where Axl Rhodes decked David Bowie. Don't wow. hit on Axl Rhodes' girl. I did not know that. That is inside information by Dan Old School Green. Loving every minute of it. Love I'll it. You're all week. <laughs> I love it. But look, so we're going to close this down. We hit an hour. Went a little bit, little over, but all good. Went we fast. talked a lot of good topics, man. We talked a lot of good topics. As always, got that music talk going. Uh, as always, man, Heat Racer Sports. Give us a follow at Heat Racer Sports on Twitter, uh, at Heat Racer Sports on Instagram, at Heat Racer Sports on TikTok, Heat Racer Sports on YouTube. You know, we have tremendous amount of shows and, and and content everybody you might not like every show but pick what you want listen to us all or listen to one who knows it, listen you hockey guys listen to flyer nights right that you're just a hockey guy you might not want to talk about basketball it's all good we got something for everybody got a couple new shows playing as well uh college football coming up possibly uh possibly a wrestling show uh and we also have a, a nfl betting show that will be live every Tuesday or yeah, every Tuesday night as well. And our betting show, okay, which uh, for right now is going to be solo. My man Dave Glockner is going to run that for a little bit till Mark gets freed up. So that's going to be pretty cool. Uh, what's that? Dave's a beast. Yeah, dude. Beast I'll tell you what. Those those two, man. I would love. A, I think I know my stuff, and Tony, you know your stuff. Those two are like quantum physics sports. You know what I'm saying? They're on top, man. They're listen. They're on. Top. I told Dave uh, uh, only under one circumstance he needs to wear the glasses. That's all I told him. As long as he wears the glasses, the he can roll. Yeah, he can roll. <laughs> he can roll. But again, just give us a follow. We got a lot of a lot of interesting things planned. Um, obviously, we had a lot of live events planned. And again, I'm not sure. We're living in a weird time right now. Don't know what's going to happen with that. But as always, you know you can at least keep viewing us right here remotely from your own house. So, uh, like I said, thank Dan Green for checking in uh, and holding it down as my co-host tonight. Uh, you'll you'll be able to see more and more heat ratio personalities on this show. And don't forget, every Sunday night, start with the first Eagles game, 7 p.m. Heat Ratio Sports. We will have our own live post-game show. Could be just me and Dan. Could be just Dan, or it could be me, Dan, Vance, Nikki, Nuts. Could be Jay. Uh, it could be every everybody. We could have twelve people up here. Who knows? We have. Uh, look, we already got. Look, Adam already asking when's Flyer and Ice coming back, Dan. Got to, uh, Adam, we have Chris Terrian coming up, and then we have Jason Martinez soon after. So we're going to be uh, hitting you in the next couple weeks. Probably two shows in the next couple weeks, and then we'll get training camp shows going. And before you know it. Season starts. Listen, Man. considering what a crappy team they were this year, Flyer and Ice put a lot of content out there. So I, I got to thank my boys, Nikki, the Scaltasti, Vance, Mr. Smooth Crew, and Nikki Nuts Crisco. My crew, man, we, we, we put 
a nice year together considering a bad hockey team. That yeah, listen, that that's when you know that you got skills, man. Not that not that no pun intended, my man Shaq. You know, I got skills, man. But when you could put out creative content when your team absolutely sucks, that means you got one hell of a crew. That's all I gotta say. I run right? my crew. I love it. I love it. No pun intended, Vance. But as as always, right. locking it down, Heat Ratio Sports. Everybody, give us a follow. Check us out. Engage. We're there. And everybody stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll catch you next week. Good night, everyone.